Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As experts, we know that people buy from people and work with people who they know, who they like and who they trust. So I'm so glad you're here because it's that time again now to really amplify how you show up in the world. Okay, well thank you so much for coming along today and for downloading this week's podcast. I've got an exciting guest today and I actually have him here in person which is even more exciting because in the age of technology everything's on Skype or over the phone and we actually get to do this face to face so I'm very excited. Um, So our guest today is an expert in technology and leadership. He works at the crossroads of leadership, business improvement and digital technology. He's a professional author, speaker and mentor and he works with leaders to speed up and so that they have a high impact on their businesses. He's worked with some of Australia's leading and best known organisations including Rio Tinto and he also has a really cool camper van called Dennis, (laughs) which I love. Uh, He's the author of Analogosaurus, Avoiding Extinction in a World of Digital Business. He's been acclaimed by Dan Gregory from The Gruen Transfer and the author of Selfish, Scared and Stupid, and Dr. Jason Fox, the best-selling author of Game Changers. Please welcome my good friend, Simon Waller. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, good. Well, you've got, I mean, Simon, you've got so much incredible experience in this space. And and I know for me, there's days, I love the title of your book, Analogosaurus, because I know... I've been through that myself. I, there's some days I just go, oh, geez, I feel clunky with this. I know I could be doing this faster. And um, so you've been out helping people who feel a bit like that too, uh, I'm hearing. So tell us a bit about the work that you do, the business you have, and and um, who do you help and how do you do it? Yeah, well, um, it's been a really interesting journey for me. I, I A few years ago, I actually moved from Perth across to Melbourne. I, I Tell people I last, left my last real job, which was working at Rio Tinto, and um, I decided to start my dream job in Melbourne. And I was initially working, I started a consulting business called Tomorrow Work, which was looking at the future of work and how we could make that real and approachable for people. And one of the really big learnings that came out of that experience was that one of the biggest challenges and the immediate challenges with people was around how we use technology. Um, and so a big, um, I suppose, learning curve for me has been how do I use it and then model that behavior for other people. Right. Um, and so for the last three years or so, I, I started off doing a lot of um, mentoring and coaching work around technology, and that's just really grown into what's now my full-time profession. Um, so I, I do training in organizations, I mentor organizational leaders, and as you mentioned, I also recently wrote a book, and I do a bit of speaking as well on the side. Fantastic. It's such a, a topical subject, like this future of work, because pay, the pace of business is um, moving so fast, technology changes quickly, and I don't know, I find some clients I work with, what was happening yesterday is not true today, and we have to be agile and, and adapt quickly. Um, you know, what was it that, were those some of the things that made you start your business, or what were some of the reasons why you started and have gone down this path? Uh, yeah, look, I, I started seeing those things myself and was, I suppose, trying to get my head around them and understand what they meant. And 
Um, at the same time, when I was working at Rio Tinto, my last job there was in their scenario plan and strategy team. Mm-hmm. And so when you start looking at these scenarios around the future and you, you realise that one of the, probably the single biggest driver of change in organisations is the growth of technology and the speed of technology growth. Mm-hmm. Um, what I realised was that there's a whole bunch of information and data around uh, on this change, but it's not filtering down to people on the front line. Right. And so what we're seeing is that we're using that information to hold very strategic conversations about uh, what organisations, and especially larger organisations, need to be doing. But we're not giving advice to people on their own use of technology and how they need to change to be relevant. Right. Uh, and I think that's a really um, big gap that needs to be addressed. Um, so in the research my book, I, I read a, a bunch of other um, authors uh, work in, in the same field and you know, recommend some fantastic books such as The Second Machine Age, Mm. Um, but again, all the conversations at that really high level. And for me, with my book, I wanted to write a book that was really approachable for people, uh, that tell them at a very individual level about, you know, why is technology relevant for them? Uh, what's the rewards if they can actually engage with technology well? And, and how do you actually make that transition and that learning easy for them? Right. And I think it's, uh, you know, in the links to say some of the things um, to be relevant and to remain relevant in that space. I think one of the things that you spoke about, and um, PwC talked a bit about it this week in one of their, uh, in an interview, I think it was on news.com, but you mentioned in your book um, about, uh, it was some research conducted by Carl Frey and Michael Osborne at Oxford University, and they suggest that up to 47% of US jobs are at high risk of automation over the next two decades, and an additional 19% are at a medium risk of automation. This means there's a fairly good chance that two out of every three jobs will be automated in the next 20 years. And as you say, take a moment to let that sink in. 66% of jobs that could be automated. Uh, it is an extraordinary statistic, and I think we really struggle to get our heads around it because so often when we think about technology, we have this very linear view about how technology is changing. We kind of look back 10 years and we look at it now and we go, ah, oh, so, you know, we kind of have a mental image of what change looks like, but we really don't get exactly how much that's accelerating. And so over the next 20 years, it's going to um, make what we've seen in the past um, uh, look like nothing. Um, there's a great article which I, I quote in the, a book with um, uh, Kevin Kelly from Wired magazine. Mm-hmm. And he makes this really interesting point. He said, if you would have got back 20 years uh, before now and told people that we would have a device in our pocket that allows us to connect to any information pretty much in the world, but not only can we access any information from anywhere wirelessly through the air, we could do it at zero cost, that we could access the biggest encyclopedia the world has ever seen and the charge for it would be nothing. People just wouldn't believe you that that was possible. That's so true. Not just on a technology level, but even on a um, on a business model level. What type of business model could you possibly have that would support the free access of information from anywhere? Mm. And and so I think that if you go twenty years into the future, we need to realise that it's going to look nothing like now. Mm. Uh, you know, we will look back on twenty years, in, you know, on where we are now, and go, "Gosh, things were crazy back then." Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I think that only part of it is actually about the technological shift. Another big part of it is how does our businesses change um, as part of what technology allows us to do? 
And so what are your thoughts, you know, when it, this comes back to um, your personal brand, you know, if we look at, say, um, uh, you know, say the Seth Godin's with linchpins and, um, and Tom Peters who talk about your personal brand is this asset base of skills, abilities, tasks that you can do in exchange for money, and it's called a job. Um, so, or for some, and now it's a, their own businesses. Um, how do you see the link between all these significant technological changes and how that's going to affect, particularly, say, a business leader's personal brand and their impact on the business and how they're perceived? Yeah, I, look, I think that, um, that the impact of technology in terms of personal branding um, is, is much greater than we really give it credit for. Mm -hmm. And it happens on a whole bunch of levels. I think, first of all, technology is a massive enabler mm. of personal brand. And you talk about with your book mm. um, about you know, whether it be things like social channels, um, such as LinkedIn, uh, how we can use them to actually amplify our personal brand. Mm. Um, but perhaps even more importantly, I think technology has also enabled uh, a new era of kind of project-based working mm -hmm. um, where individual brand is actually incredibly important in actually securing your next job because jobs are lasting longer than they have uh, the shorter time frames and we need yes. to, to quick, uh, quickly flick or move between one and the next. And so technology is actually enabling that at the same time as making the need for it greater. Um, when you talk about that, that higher level and you talk about leaders in organisations, I think that for a long time, people who use technology well made excuses for it. Right. Um, so, you know, if you were the guy that walked into um, a board meeting and you're the one with the iPad and everyone else is taking notes on paper, <laughs> you were kind of like the geek or the nerd, right, that was, uh, you know, probably thought to be playing Pac-Man. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I, and I do get that Pac-Man kind of only went out of fashion in the 1980s, but I think some people's perceptions around technology are that old. Yeah. Um, okay. But I think in the last couple of years, there's been such a fundamental shift. I think that in a few years from now, it will be op the exact opposite will be true. Right. Is anybody who walks into a meeting with a pad, with a pen and paper, the other people who are using technology, who are actually improving their effectiveness and their efficiency, you know, they will be looking at the people with the paper and going, seriously, how are you going to recall the information I share with you today? How are you going to be effective? Yeah, right. What are you bringing to the table? You know, I've got all my information available to me from anywhere and you have basically three sheets of paper. Right. Um, so I think that the role of technology use in terms of elevating your personal brand um, is more important than it's ever been. Right. Yeah, that's good food for thought. I think that that's a really, um, I think that's one that I see when I'm out in organisations is, uh, you know, you can be seen as a bit of a dinosaur. <laughs> like, and I think that's what I love so much about you. Your book title is, you know, that's kind of the word that gets spun around a bit that can be linked to your personal brand. And, you know, if you're trying to innovate and, and talk that language but what you physically are doing doesn't match what you're saying, um, can feel a bit incongruent, I guess, too. Yeah, and I think that's actually a big challenge a lot of organisations are facing right now. There was some research that came out recently that said that when we look at, say, digital transformation projects, and one example they used was um, the, uh, the growth of, say, enterprise social networking in organisations, so Facebook for Business, mm -hmm. uh, the single biggest factor that actually will determine the success or failure of that project is the engagement of the senior executive team. Right. If they're not on the platform and they're not using it, then basically people say, well, that's not really how we do things around here. Yeah. I'm not going to be the odd person out who's the one on the platform when none of the important people are 
And so the whole thing falls in a heap. And so, you know, if you're serious about taking your organization into the digital age, and let's face it, you don't really have a choice, right? (laughs) It's here. Yes. If you're in a business and if you're in a leadership position in a business now, um, it is actually your responsibility to take your organization forward into that space. And inevitably, that is going to mean that um, we're going to have more and more technology in our organisations. In fact, if you look around us, we'll never have less technology than we have right now. Wow. And, and so if that's the case, as you make the point, that congruence requires that you actually are a strong user of technology yourself. Right. And I think increasingly, though, um, you know, going to that concept of branding, though, uh, is that we do associate technology use more and more with effectiveness and efficiency mm. and the ability to be uh, really um, solve people's problems. Yes. And so all of that is actually amplifying the position of the leader because oh. we actually now see that when you're walking in, you're one of those guys. Yes. You're one of those guys that solves problems. You're one of those guys that's really productive. You're one of those guys who does high-quality work yes. as opposed to the person I'm going to be waiting for because you forgot to either take down the actions that were assigned to you or you left them on a piece of paper or your dog ate it or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you're spending your time trying to find stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's, um, but you've got it at your fingertips. And you, as you said, it all comes back to your effectiveness, your quality, your outcome, and therefore your impact yeah. in the results. There's um, other research that Google did a few years back and they looked at information workers and let's face it, most people probably listen to this podcast are information workers. Yes. Um, that information workers spend something like uh, 60% of their time looking for information or trying to recreate information that they've lost. Right. And that's just not a valuable use of our time. No. Wow. Um, and even with my own clients, uh, on average, I see them saving somewhere between four to six hours a week. And basically, it's from two things, spending less time looking for things and doing less rework, so doing the same work again oh. uh, the second time because the first time they did it on paper. So there's a huge opportunity cost with your own brand and what you're known for based on your results and your outcomes and your impact because you're just simply trying to find things. Yeah, I think, I think one, <laughs> you know, like at, at a very low level, it's about productivity. Yep. But at that higher level, as you point out, it's actually about the impact that you have. You know, on one way, um, technology allows us to focus on the activities that actually drive value in our organisation. It also allows us to improve the quality of our work, but it also allows us to align the work that we do better with with our customer need. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, you know, the big opportunity is actually around building awareness of what's going in your customer's operating environment, being able to find problems and solutions to problems that they don't even know that they've got yet. Yeah, and that, to me, is the ultimate point in positioning. You know, yes. it's one thing for me to solve a problem that you've told me you've got. It's a complete another thing for me to be able to tell you your problems before you even know you've got them yet. Oh, absolutely, and that's what we talk about in uh, in my book. Impact is around positioning, and you've got the not just ready for um, the problems that are going to come, but you are pigeonholed in the right box and in the right mindset of others, so that those opportunities come your way. Yeah, and I think that that what I kind of call that awareness building. Mm. Um, in one hand, has become harder in a digital world. And the reason it's become harder is things are moving faster. Yes. We have less time to react than we did in the past. Uh, and so if, if we're still reading um, you know, newspapers as our primary source of get, gathering information, we're not going to be able to scan either broadly enough or deeply enough to be able to identify those opportunities and those challenges in enough time to act. The only way in a digital world that you can actually maintain a suitable level of awareness is using digital tools. 
Mm. Um, so I think one of the real opportunities in this is actually just how do we use digital technology to filter the information streams that are going past us to capture the bits that are really relevant to both ourselves and ultimately to our clients. Right. And then you're known for what you want to be known for. Um, uh, you know, we, I think, um, you know, something that really interests me, just taking a step aside around or big, big, bigger picture on your business, you know, um, uh, your business is called simonwaller.com. You've, you've got your website, simonwaller.com. .com.au. Oh, .com.au. .com Unfortunately, another IT guy <laughs> called Simon Waller oh, really? in the UK who has the .com domain name. Um, so, yeah, I've got the .com.au. Right. But this is an interesting point when it comes to branding because yeah. I didn't realise how important this was initially. Right. And um, so, I, for a number of years, I've been working under... Um, these kind of these banners, like yes. like the, like a business name. So initially, I worked with this uh, other group of consultants with a, a banner called Tomorrow Work. Right. And to be honest, when the four of us working together, maybe it's appropriate that we share this headline banner. But even then, people were hiring us individually based on our skill set yeah. and what we could bring to the table. And right. we, I probably even back then should have already been developing my personal brand with my own website. Right. And then. Um, went to a brand called Mobile and I was operating with that for a, a couple of years and it was only probably 12 months ago that I switched to my own domain. My own name is my domain name. Right. And unfortunately, by that stage, somebody had already taken the .com. Right. Um, but, um, you know, that that shift, though, to operating under my own name, I think it's sort of hard to overestimate the benefit of it. Mm. I think, first of all, in terms of my own branding, it's really powerful because... I realised eventually it's me that they hire. That's right. Yeah? yeah. And so if they want to find me, having my own domain name is completely the appropriate way of doing it. Mm. I think though there's another benefit of it, and, and that is, is that when um, I put, say, content out mm-hmm. into the marketplace, and sometimes that content, like say with this podcast, yes. um, is is not under my own a brand or under my own domain name. Yes. But what it is is it's that your um, your audience who listens to this has the opportunity to verify the validity of my content. Yes. Because they can say, well, who is this guy, Simon Waller? Exactly. And by going to my domain, they can actually see all the different type of content that I've been publishing. And so it actually gives credibility to your content and ultimately that adds value to your customer yes. because they get to trust in what you're delivering to them. Absolutely. And they don't have to trip over... And a name to just get to you, you know. I, I, I'm in the same situation where I've had my own business called something else, and I just kind of, kind of found I don't know if you found, but people were tripping over that to kind of get to me, or or I ended up competing on price against everybody else because they would be there was no other differentiator because every other business name has got a name and so they go oh I don't know well we just this is what we're after so we'll just go with kind of the cheapest one but this was a this is about positioning so because like you said when there's a lot of trust and you can validate the content and they go right this person really seems to know what they're talking about, and they've written about the problems that they've written about are exactly how I'm feeling. There's a deeper connection there. I think yeah. definitely. And I think that there's also been a shift away from kind of uh, work that's based on making physical products Yes. to work that's actually fundamentally about thinking. And in the book I talk about the shift from doing work to thinking work. Right. Um, when we do doing work, like say um, you have Holden has a plant and they make cars, um, the number of people who are involved in that process is massive and so 
the idea that you'd identify any one of them mm. and say, that's the guy who's responsible for the quality of the cars at Holden doesn't make sense. Yes. And so in that, in that type of world, in a world of physical products, um, having a brand uh, for your product is completely legitimate. So having Holden.com makes so much sense. Yes. But that's not the world that we live in no. now. Like the majority of us just do thinking work. Yes. In the world of thinking work, it's actually about the individual and the quality of their thinking that we're buying. Yes. And I think in that world, uh, people need to be able to see who it is behind that. And going to your idea, I think that um, mentally when we operate under another brand, we see that what we do is products. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Whereas yeah, when we operate under us. our own banner, we see that what we do is that thinking. Yes. Yeah, and, and we get to bring our whole self then to the work that we do. And I think that is actually you know, probably uh, an understated value of this personal branding is that you do actually get to bring your whole self to your work. Yes. Um, it's incredibly difficult to do when you work under somebody else's brand, Yes. Uh, even if you own it, um, with certain kind of brand attributes and it does certain things. Like I had my brand was mobile mm. and it was really based in the fact that a lot of my work started around using how we use mobile technology like iPads uh, in the workplace. Right. But it almost became... Um, um, a, a limiter, a limiting factor in what I could do and what I could talk about and what I could think about and what I could offer my clients. Right. Um, whereas I don't struggle with that anymore. Did anything hold you back from doing setting it up under your name dot com? Like, were you ever a bit? Oh, I don't know if I want to put my name out there. I don't know. I'm not really a look at me kind of person or anything like that. Did you ever have those feelings, or did you see that because you'd worked behind brands for a period of time that you realised that yeah, people connect with people. I think there's a bit of. I think like when when we when I first set up say mobile, yeah. like part of it's just habit, right? Yeah. People, people have people have a company yes. name, yeah. So I've got to have a company name, and the company has to have a brand. Yes. So part of it was habit, but I, I think as well when we first start to put ourselves out in the world, there is a tendency to what I describe as being safe and serious, <coughs> right? You know? Yes. And and we we do things that are safe because we don't want to rock the boat. Yes. And we do things that are serious because we want people to take us seriously. Yes. Um. And, and I think that definitely a bit of that comes into it. You can hide behind another brand. Yes. Um, but ultimately, I think that if you eat within each of us, there is some real value that we bring to the world. And I think once you tap into what that value is and you build confidence in the value and what you have to offer, yes. then suddenly that brand, that, that brand name as opposed to your own name becomes a limiter. Yes. Um, and for me, that's probably the journey I've been on is that, um, you know, over the last probably 12 to 18 months or so, has been a massive growth in my own confidence and the importance of the work that I do and the purpose that sits behind my work. Yes. And so it became necessary almost right. to shift to, to having my name as my brand. Right. So it kind of became more about giving to others as opposed to all about you. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I think yeah. that um, you know there's an authenticity as well that mm. is attached to using your own name mm. and the accountability that comes to using your own name yes and i think those things are incredibly important if you want to have impact on other people mm. uh, people need to know who is the person behind the message yes uh, if they're going to take the message seriously so simon you you've been doing some incredible work and congratulations on your book um, it, I highly recommend it. I was lucky enough to get mine signed. But, uh, but Simon's it's such a wealth of information. 
Um, tell us, what are your plans for the next 12 to 18 months? What are you working on? Yeah, well, I look, I look at the book in some ways as being almost an entree um, to the main course. And <laughs> for me, the main course, like the, the, the book Analogosaurus is really about, I suppose it's a very broad and very general book about um, how do people as individuals uh, engage in digital technology in a really meaningful way. And I think for a long time our approach has been pretty ad hoc. Mm-hmm. Um, I describe it as the learning in most organisations when it comes to technology as being osmosis as the primary strategy, which is, means <laughs> I sit next to somebody else who I think knows a bit about technology and I look over their shoulder and I see what they're doing. And I go, I'll do that. <laughs> and, and I think that that was fine when technology moves slow, but it doesn't make sense when technology moves fast. And I suppose this book to me is a call to action about we need to start taking a more intentional approach to how we use technology. But for me, the the next uh, big piece for me uh, is really working um, with uh, leaders in organisations. Um, a few years ago, I actually completed a Master's in Business Leadership and I, I look at the role of leadership as being incredibly important. Mm. Um, leaders in organisations have a responsibility not just to make sure um, that their organisations are relevant for the next 10 to 20 years, mm-hmm. but also they have responsibility to their people. And you brought up a statistic before that you know, 66% of jobs are likely to be automated in the next 20 years. Yeah. I believe the leaders have to start to look at how are they developing their people, what are the skills that they're giving them. Mm-hmm. Um, so on one hand, they're both useful to the organisation in the medium to long term, but also that they're relevant out in the marketplace. Uh, and I, I think this is an incredibly important conversation at the moment. It's just not been had. Um, so I've been running programs around this um, already, which has been really exciting. And in the next kind of six months or so, I actually hope to start uh, a book uh, based on that whole conversation around both the impact of leadership on technology and, and ultimately how can we use technology to amplify leadership. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I look forward to, we'll have to keep in touch and find out how that's going at the time when, uh, when it's done and have you back. So, um, so how can people get in touch with you, Simon? What are your details and where well, do we find you? <laughs> we want more of Simon. So probably the, the, the obvious answer is my website. So okay. it's uh, simonwaller.com.au. Don't go to the .com. That's another IT guy. It's not me. <laughs> uh, so simonwaller.com.au. Um, and also not, not taken away from the special sign book that you got, but people can buy the book off the website and I will sign it for them. Oh, really? Fantastic. Wow. Wow. That's a big promise to keep. It just won't That's have the personal special. message in it that you No, got. okay. But even better, you get it signed if you order it from your website. So thank you so much for coming along today, Simon. I'm so grateful that, um, that you've been able to catch up in person and, and but you've been able to tap into your incredible mind and your experience and all this because I think that's something that a lot of us really struggle with and can see the value in. So thank you so much. It's been absolutely-